listening to Not Good Enough, an inadequate response to inadequate responses. I'm Mitch Alexander. I'm Tom McLean. I'm Tom Lang. And I'm Evie. And we've got Isaac in our headphones, fact-checking and raising our hourly rate from $3 an hour to the bare minimum of $25 an hour. Thanks, man. Hey. <laughs> Usually we get paid by the gag, which means on a on a good day we're barely scraping by. Not good enough. We were on the peace rate, as it were, um, but now we're on to the minimum. The government says you have to pay someone to work. It doesn't sound like it, but we're actually starting with good news this week. Yeah. <laughs> Just it's a, it's a bad framing of good news. It's it's insane. First of all, let's talk about what's actually happened, which is that fruit pickers used to operate on the basis that they would get paid for how much they picked rather than an hourly rate, which is insane. And it means if you're picking grapes, you get paid way better than if you're picking pineapples, right? (laughs) (laughs) The Fair Work Commission ruled that every worker on every farm in Australia is now entitled to a pay rise. So what is, which is great news, but also it meant that this abolishes peace rates. What has happened in Australia historically is that a worker is paid according to how much they pick rather than an hourly rate. So this means you get as low as $3 an hour, which means that some people just got an 830% pay rise. It is. Yeah, I think even framing it as a pay rise is kind of wrong. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Not so much that like, oh, guys, you got a pay rise. It's like... Hey, the you Fair Work Commission has before. not ruled that they get more money. The, the the Fair Work Commission has ruled that minimum wage applies to farm workers as well. <laughs> that's that's basically it, which is like, I don't know, I guess you can do, you know, pick rates as much as you want, but if it turns out that that would work out less than minimum wage, you just have to give minimum wage anyway. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It, It's not so much like, oh, you got a pay rise. It's like, you're not allowed to steal from your workers anymore, farmers. <laughs> yeah, you're welcome. Exactly. There's two things that this decision should expose to the average Australian, first of all, any sort of trumpeting that we do about our fair work laws and our labour laws, it's kind of bullshit when stuff like this still happens. Like, it is insane to me that we pride ourselves on having a minimum wage where there's still exemptions to the minimum wage that means that people get paid $3 an hour for doing yeah. back-breaking mm-hmm. labour. And secondly, it really bothers me that, People go about their day-to-day lives not thinking that the reason why so much of what we do and what we can have is based on people not being paid what they're worth. And this is such an obvious example of that. Mm. I'm not even sure that's true, though. Like, I think that that's that's kind of the – like, I mean, you look at um, bloody – whatchamacallit – David Littleproud, our our agriculture minister, who – being a villain clearly hates this decision. He obviously couldn't say so as much because he has to at least put up a facade of being against slavery. But his his response to this decision was like, oh, it might it might put upwards pressure on supermarket prices. Mm. You know, uh, like obviously I'm uh, happy to see that the people get paid <laughs> more, off. but I'm just worried that you know we're gonna feel that at the at the checkout. That is like maybe. Let's consider that a lot of Australian farming happens through enormous, you know, sort of agricorp multinationals that instead of just like putting up supermarket prices, why don't we just cut into their profits a bit? Because they're very profitable. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, yes. We just do that. Oh, no, no, we, we, we can't do that. David Littleproud definitely understanding the economic model. Um- <laughs> <laughs> also, but- let's not forget that a farm worker has to buy food probably at a supermarket. So what David Littleproud is saying is that, sure, 
now those farm workers will be able to buy food. Um, but and feed themselves that, and live in yeah. the houses and not be held like sort of to ransom. But my food will be more expensive. <laughs> I oh. guess I should reframe that and say um, that it's a, a tacit acknowledgement that so much of our consumption is based on people not getting paid what they're worth, I guess. Or, or it's, it's based on the labour of underpaid people. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. But I, th- I just think the idea that we couldn't have that without exploiting them mm. is oh, like- Oh, it's, it's- it, no, 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 absolutely not. We absolutely could. Mm. Yeah. We just can't- We've got three things. We've got like affordable food, well-paid farm workers, and grossly profitable farming corporations. Pick two. <laughs> <laughs> Little Proud's like, well, let's lock in the farming corporations first and, you know, like, let's explore <laughs> our feelings from there, you know? What I just- What I really like about that, and like, it, it applies to it applies to everything, is when you start to do like, let's just- Eat into their profits and give a bit more to the workers, and, and <laughs> eat in a bit more to their profits and a bit more to the workers until you just get to workers owning it. And it's like, yeah, no, that is that is just the end result of this. Like the workers owning the means of production isn't this weird, like further, like sidestep or different politically. It's just like, hang on, what do you do? No, really? What do you do? And then it's just like, I can fucking run this. I can. I already run the machinery. It's just got a fucking stamp on it that says it doesn't belong to me. Fuck you. Like, yeah. Oh, we, we have to pay you starvation wages because we do the work of negotiating really good deals with the supermarket distributors and stuff. And, <laughs> and think about how poorly you'd be paid if you had to do that negotiation yourself, guys. And they'd be like, fucking better than $3 an hour, I yeah. reckon. <laughs> I wonder if we're going to see now a, a, a tapering off in the fucking stories we get every month in mm. the ABC, I'm looking at you specifically, of, oh, I'm a poor farmer and nobody wants to work. Nobody, everyone just wants to be paid too much. Oh, yeah. oh there's like- not <laughs> enough employees to pick our fruit. It's rotting in the fields because we don't have underpaid slave labour from overseas <laughs> that we can take away their passports and abuse them. The most recent one was like there's a pineapple glut at the moment because, mm. um, I, I mean, there is a glut for a specific reason, which is like cruises have been cancelled. So, like, any <laughs> and like all sorts of like holiday things. So, like, oh. uh, we haven't been able to export like a lot of pineapples in the oh. same way. So, does that, that mean free would. pineapples? So, yeah, v- really cheap fucking pineapples, cheap pineapples yeah. nice. and lots of them. Um, and they were like, oh, we can't get people to pick the pineapples. Oh, well, first of all, yeah. it's fucking hard to pick a pineapple. Have you seen one? <laughs> 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 Discourse. <laughs> it's fucked up that pineapples don't grow on trees like coconuts, honestly. <laughs> yeah, but they're all Have spiky. you picked a coconut, McLean? <laughs> <laughs> well, they're not easy. They're too high. They're, I'm, not sa- I'm not saying that pineapples should be easier to pick. I'm just saying it's fucked up that they don't grow on a tree like a yeah, pineapple. Yeah, they look like, like a, a coconut. <laughs> I've seen like a pineapple growing in the wild and that's not okay. Like that that seems wrong. It seems yeah. like I, it shouldn't be growing like it's that. It's just a little shrub with a straight up stick and then there's the pineapple on top. Yeah. Like a little <laughs> Indiana Jones idol. That you want to, like, swap out with a little weight. <laughs> there are two kinds of fruits. There are pineapples and coconuts. One of them will kill you from a great height, and the other one has to be battled with a machete like a JRPG. <laughs> <laughs> the one thing I want to know about the- Hang on, race. I think we cut off, we cut off Evie I think that's while okay. she was talking no, about No, 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 I think it off. <laughs> we had important say- points I- to make. So. <laughs> about the damage resistance values of the pineapple shrub. <laughs> I was going to say that was a good point to finish it, but <laughs> yeah, okay. no, I wanted to. I think we got two more points to hit. 
uh, one of which is shouting out, this is this is the, the work of the Australian Workers' Union who opened the initial complaint about a year ago saying, yo, it's fucked up that Australian minimum wage is $25 an hour, but farmers mm. get paid yeah. three. Uh, and so that's been a sort of open case that they've been pushing. And it's genuinely a huge win. Obviously, that's basically, it, that affects tons and tons of people it, to a massive degree. It, it's it's enormous. It's it's extremely wonderful. So, um, yeah, I mean, shout out to AWU and everyone who's been fighting for this because it's magical and it's beautiful and it's great. Yeah, a genuinely big and historical piece of mm. uh, of union movement. Like, it, it like yeah. I can't think of anything in recent history that is as impactful as this because agriculture is such a big thing in Australia that this has impacted so many people. There was that big march that we had where they talked about uh, how we should change the rules and then they didn't. (laughs) Well, here's one of them. (laughs) This is a changed rule. And can I just point out one language thing that pops up in situations like this, which is farm workers versus farm owners. Uh, You can't just say farm farmers uh, because that gets spun because all the bad shit happens where they say suicide rates, poverty, etc. That's generally farm workers. And this is helping farm workers, um, whereas farm owners are basically often like CEOs. Yeah, um, yeah they're and in this, suit. This is the, the like bloody David Littleproud's, you know, the whole national party being like, mm. oh, we work for farmers, but Mm-mm. secretly they work for coal miners. Mm. Even when they're working for farmers, they're not working for, I'm a farmer, I go out into a field and sort of make food happen from from the ground. No. They, they, those aren't the farmers that the National Party works for. No. <laughs> they work for the ones who are like, I wear a suit and I spend, you know, 30% of my time, you know, uh, pulling finance cords over at the Cayman Islands. Yeah, like, I occasionally the, fly my helicopter yeah. over the back blocks of my WA gajillion acre property. Well, this is the thing, like, fucking Isaac has just, like, come in as well. Little Proud worked as an agribusiness banker before he got into politics. He's as far away from farming as I am from caring about the livelihood of the National Party. Like, it's just, like, he's absolutely not whatsoever. And, like, it's only just dawned on me now looking at this of, like, one of the people in politics who is there ostensibly four farmers couldn't even give an unequivocal hurrah for this. Like, had <laughs> yeah. to come out and just be like, but so, guys, there's push and pull in everything. Supermarket prices, though, guys, come When it on. comes to fucking coal businesses, all he will do is like, no, we have to defend them. This is only, mm. like, this is only good or only bad, and I'm putting my flag in the ground. Huh? But with mm-hmm. this, it's like, ah. Oh. Oh, I tell you what, though, if if we secured a union win that saw coal miner, like, I'm in the mine getting the coal out of it, you know, workers getting a pay rise, I fucking bet Little Proud would be like, no. oh, I don't know, though, this is going to bump up power no. bills, yeah. blah, blah, blah. Oh, 100%. Like, this is yeah. when the when the initial complaint was opened with the, with the Fair Work Commission, Little Proud's statement at that time was, again, he can't. He can't come out against it because people getting paid $3 an hour is not, you, you, you can't push that as an MP. Uh, and, and so his response was, oh, yeah, those underpayments are disgraceful if true. And, uh, <laughs> and if they are true, if it comes out that that's really happening, that could damage the reputation of the sector. Mm-hmm. Now, obviously, it has come out that it is 
happening. Uh, reputation wasn't really damaged because everyone already fucking knew it because it was notorious, <laughs> mm-hmm. right? But he's like, oh, it turns out it's true. But now that we've fixed that loophole that allowed them to pay them so little, which David Littleproud said was disgraceful and blah, 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 blah. Now that we've fixed that loophole, he's like, oh, I'm worried about those supermarket prices now, though. Like, fuck, fuck you. <laughs> fuck you. I, I just want to say Come about on. Littleproud, he looks like a man who has not done a day of manual labour in his entire life. Like, he looks like a man I'm who's never a had a I'm more of a farmer than David Littleproud. I water my little potted lemon tree <laughs> on the balcony once a week. That's, that's <laughs> And, and I, I wanted I, I to, win. like, confirm this for myself. So I just went to his wiki and just, like, wanted to make sure that he didn't have, like, a dad who was a farmer or something like that. His dad was also a state nationals MP, and okay. David Littleproud was also, like, in agribusiness before he entered politics. And so, he yeah, he's been a banker all his life. He owns, he owns shares in BA. HP. So yeah, make of that what you will. Yeah, classic. Have one callus, David Little Proud. Mm. <laughs> Speaking of slimy piece of shit liberal politicians, <laughs> just the lowest dog cunts on earth. Speaking of the most morally bankrupt, horrible carbon sacks to ever waddle their way across this fucking world. Tim you got to narrow it down. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Could be anyone, Mitch. That's a broad, broad <laughs> Politicians. Tim Smith, a Victorian liberal politician, uh, he was for a time the shadow attorney general. Has He's embattled, was the last I saw before this morning oh, yeah. when he finally fucking quit. But he has he has left politics after a um what's the what's the media term? What type of week did he have? Uh like hey he, he definitely oh, battled for he was challenging disgraceful week. Yeah, he he ba- he battled for his 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 future. You might have heard about the story. Tumultuous. Tim Smith, a politician, someone who is supposed to represent people of a certain area got shit-faced drunk and went for a fucking drive. Smashed into a car, smashed into a stop sign, and then smashed into a fucking house. This cunt could have killed someone. Yeah, let's be real. This is a situation that could have ended up in him being dead or other people being dead. It's not just Mm. like, you know, a silly little bingle or anything. Not that that even that is justifiable. I have a very strong... Yeah, if you drink, if you get that drunk and then drive home completely incident-free... It's a fucking miracle! That's, yeah, yeah. Here's something, not, not to make light of this whole situation, but an idea that I did have is that at some point I should get... Because he bl- he blew a zero point one three one, nearly mm-hmm. three times the legal limit, and I was thinking that I could try to get that drunk and try to do the pod just to show how shit faced it is, <laughs> and this sanctimonious fuckhead decided to drive. Mm. Last night I made a serious error of judgment. After dinner with friends, I believed I was under the legal limit. No, you didn't. <laughs> There's no way. This was. Not the case. It, I have been fucking fear. I have been impacted personally by drink driving. It's this fun. has caused me so much fucking fury. Every day I've had to look at this wet-lipped cunt's face, come out <laughs> to the fucking media and go, oh, I don't I don't think I should leave politics. I think, you know, I made I made a boo-boo. It's a fucking <laughs> fucking mild oh. cuthbert on Twitter had the best take where fucking essentially fucking Tim Smith comes out and just goes Look, I made a mistake, but it's my birthday. Please be nice to me. I'm the birthday boy. <laughs> and he did. What? So, like, I'm, I'm, I'm infuriated on two different angles with this because the first one is how dare you? 
How fucking dare you drink that much and then get into your car and go for a drive? Again, it's very fucking lucky that he, you didn't kill anyone. It's, it's fucking insane. But then beyond that, how fucking dare you think that you can just stay in politics for a full mm. week? He resigned from the fucking cabinet, the, the shadow cabinet straight up, which is the thing we always talk about on this fucking podcast, where the media just went, ooh, Tim Smith resigned, he resigned, he quit, he resigned, he resigned from one part of his job. He yeah. still kept all of his wage. He kept. He was still in the party. Matthew Guy, the spineless leader of the Victorian Liberals, didn't kick him out instantly. He just went, I don't think you should contest the next election and I don't think you should quit now, though, because I don't want to put the cost of a by-election mm. onto the taxpayers. Yeah. You too, Matthew Guy, <laughs> can fuck off. <clears throat> Like yeah. the taxpayers are happy to save a couple bucks so they can still have this guy representing their entire electorate until the next election. I'm sure that's fine with them. I hate this so much at the best of times, but it is extremely funny to me in a very dark way how much all these people also hate each other, but mm. they can't allow the other person to suffer consequences because the next time someone gets drunk and drives and crashes into a fence, they will also have to suffer the same consequences. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's the fucking th that's why it's that's why it's so disgusting is because they're like, oh, we don't want to set a precedent that drink driving is a sackable offence. Yeah, incredible. What would we do then? He's only, by the way, it, in news uh, very recent to us recording this episode this morning, which is Sunday before this pod is released, um, the Tim Smith has announced that he will not be standing for the next uh, state election. Right, so he's still staying in politics yeah. for oh, the no, moment, no, until, he, the next until the next state election. election. Yeah. Mm. So yes. that's not yeah. resigning. That's just not like you, you probably wouldn't win that election anyway because everyone fucking knows that you got blackout drunk and smashed into a house. But yeah. in so. his electorate, mm. he, was, <laughs> he, he is supposed to represent his electorate. And the bare minimum you would expect of an elected <laughs> representative is that they don't endanger your fucking life. And I he mean, couldn't even do that. I mean, he does. He is um, the member for Q, and having lived and worked around, like, well, like having had oh. known people who've lived in Q, um, there is a lot of cold-blooded people there who would definitely still vote for him, nonetheless. Because oh, 100%. it's less about the fact that he kills his constituents and more about the fact that he protects their interests. Yeah, I think there's a bit of a thing of like, oh, Q, though, because there's just a bunch of you know rich toffs there who clearly voted this prick in first time around. Mm. But it's like, I, I reckon that, like, a, a bad group of people deserves a good leader more than a good group of people, you know, because they need it. <laughs> <laughs> I think also uh, they they would have voted him in for, for whatever reasons they had. But even if you're a bunch of rich idiots or rich jerks, you're, you're going to want someone who is competent at being rich and right? a jerk. Like, and then you look at this guy and you go, oh, no. He's not going to get me a job. He's not going to help. Yeah. I actually have to disagree with that because, I mean, he's competent at what they need. He can't even cover up his own shit. Well, he can't, but, like, he's competent insofar as his role as MP. He's com he's good at doing the things behind the scenes as an MP uh, that needs to be done for their interests, not necessarily as a, you know, a state MP. But yeah. he is part of a system that, you know, operates on modifying policy like one of the most recent things um that he was involved with is the tussle um about um the loophole on conversion um, yeah. uh -oh. um banning uh, gay conversion 
in Victoria. So there is a loophole currently that needs to be closed about like basically on the basis of religious grounds that you can still mm. apply these um, conversion practices. And um, there is currently, you know, a very strong move to try and close that loophole. And there is a, a huge dust up happening um, in the opposition at the moment in who they are being influenced by potentially um, and like, you know, in trying to either oppose or approve off that loophole being closed. And Tim Smith surprisingly is one of the people who wants that banned. Like he, he, he is one of those people who's trying to like sort of force people's hand. So yeah, like insofar as like, being a person. Oh, Tim who Smith's looks- on the good side of that one. Yes. Yeah. He's on, Tim Smith's on the oh, good on Tim it. Smith is on the money side of evil as opposed to the religious <laughs> side of evil. <laughs> Presumably yeah. all of all of these roles require you to have some respect like for people to respect you. And I feel like he's lost so much face yeah. here and he looks like such an idiot. See, this is the thing. I, I need I need to like really push back. I I need to push back because as as much of a cartoon character Tim Smith maybe, mm. I think people need to understand that competency isn't what people necessarily think it is when you come to being yeah. an MP. And yeah. as much as he can be a bit of a jester in the appearance of the public, he mm. is still competent at doing what is necessary for being like, you know, the the contacts that he has and the people yeah. that he talks yeah, yeah, to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, like, never let that get in the way of like you know p- perceiving whether someone is competent at their job, mm. he might not be able to deliver a sort of compelling public speech or you know carry on a normal conversation in front of anyone in the media. But maybe he's really good at stabbing people in the back and oh, yeah. you know welching people <laughs> on deals and stuff. Yeah, I mean, and that's, it, and that's his, what we need in the state Liberal Party. His position was Shadow Attorney General. That's a villain position. What you need to understand is that a lot of these people, like you, I know we make a lot of fun of people who like came up in Stupol and that sort of thing, but this is their lives. This is what mm. they're good at. They're good at calling up people to get favours. So, yeah, mm. so I think it, sometimes the appearance of them being useless is very useful to them because oh, it means they can do stuff that isn't seen because everyone's distracted by them, I don't know, looking like they're desperate for breast milk, which is one of my favourite Chris Somerville tweets about Tim <laughs> But the, the, thing, the thing is, though, like, I, I agree up until last week. Like, oh, yeah. He, that's, that cancels it out. That's the thing is that they, like, he was very good at being an evil person behind the scenes. But one of the bare minimum things you have to do is not nearly kill your constituents. Yeah, like, yeah, even the Liberal Party can't get around that really. And they're fucking trying. And, I mean, give mm. it five years. We, we fucking might. Yeah. I mean, there's certainly, like, the Federal Liberal Party's trying to, you know, that we've got the sort of leaks that, you know, some of the Federal Libs are privately urging him to stay. I can't uh, fucking believe which that. is uh, just it's including Josh Frydenberg there, who's the the federal member for the same area. So yeah, I hope that wins him some points. T- that to me, I, I I mean I've said it a bunch of fucking times that the Liberal Party are essentially a criminal cartel, and mm. this to me ties the feds with the state, and the state now are supporting someone who has committed a pretty egregious fucking crime. Like there's no real excuse here. I don't think it's defo to go like, oh the Victorian Liberal Party, oh yeah they look after their mates that commit crimes. Don't worry about that. And like you can't even say, oh you know. I did ask him politely to not stand at the next election, so that's pretty bad. Mm. I'm not supporting him. We're making breakfast real uncomfortable whenever mm. we have our meetings. Like, fuck off. I thought you guys were tough on crime. 
Yeah, you, um, we we thought you had like the bare minimum spine for like yeah. at least public appearances. I I just the sanctimony is what got me about Tim Smith. Just sort of assuming that he could quote unquote weather the storm and come back out with a public appearance, going, oh well, you know, I I think we all make mistakes, and I would like mm. to be forgiven. It's like that's. Not how this works, motherfucker. It is you- textbook yeah. privilege and entitlement. Because, because McLean, like, you made this point on Twitter and I thought it was really good, is that like politicians have to be held to a higher standard than regular people because they represent us. That is their entire role. Is that like It's not a normal job. Exactly. It's not a normal job. It's not about like, oh, what's fair for you, the person who fucked up? Because that was his thing. Is like, oh, is it right that a terrible <laughs> and stupid mistake costs me my entire career yes it's like one <laughs> yeah yes, it is, it is. T- terrible stupid mistakes uh that's that's like m- really whenever somebody's career mm. gets tanked by something a terrible stupid mistake <laughs> that, it's usually that, that's the main way right that's the classic <laughs> traditional way to tank your career is a terrible stupid mistake but he's like is that really right that i that i lose my whole career over this mm. and it's like it's not what's fair for you mm. when you're a Elected MP. It's what's fair for your constituents. You're trying to be the leader. You know, all of their resources are going towards you. You are making decisions about how those resources get spent. Like, fuck what's fair for you. Go away. Let someone who's (laughs) going to do a better job in. Yeah. Do something else. Actually, don't do something else. You'll be terrible, but- you know, <laughs> fuck off. I constantly think of like how every one of us knows that there is a societal line that gets drawn in what's okay conduct in which not only that you face professional consequences, but social consequences. Sorry, if I blew that yeah. amount of like alcohol in my blood and, um, you know, drunk drove and crashed into a fence and nearly killed someone or nearly killed myself in that way, I would not only like suffer like legal consequences, I, it would probably impact my job. I'm, I'm not allowed to have like a criminal record if like, you know, if I face criminal charges. Also, I'd probably lose a whole bunch of my fucking friends because they'd be like, what the fuck's wrong with you, dude? Can can you imagine the Isaac in our headphones joke I would have at the start of the pod that you are in? Now, we'd of course, we'd of course welcome you back with open arms and we'd just say that if you could not appear on the Not Good Enough end of year podcast, that'd be great. But like, yeah, that's the thing. If I fucked up like that, I think I think this is the thing as well is that politicians share this public private space where like they are mm. elected representatives and their personal life is supposed to be exemplary because they represent people. But if I did something like that, I myself would leave for at least a while. <laughs> You'd feel shame. Oh, I'd fucking disappear into the woods, dude. I would not I would not be able to face anyone or anything because I'd know I'd fucked up that bad. Which just goes to show the sociopathy of these fucking people. Of Tim Smith just coming out and being like, oh, what's the big deal? I just I just nearly killed my constituents. Well, like, the, just is- the cravenness of it. I fucking- Yeah, I'm burning with word. this fucking hatred for this cunt. <laughs> Have we played the clip yet? Oh, we are getting to the one good thing about this. He who was without sin cast the first stone and um, others have made a similar- Error or a poor, uh, yeah, a, 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 a terrible thing, a terrible thing, a terrible thing, and um, I just, you know, there are a number of different views about whether or not this sort of behaviour should constitute the 
end of one's career forever. You're the one who set those standards, though, in relation to Sean Lee. He should resign because he has long hair. Sally Cap should resign because she supported the state budget. These are all really incredibly ridiculous things to be calling for people's resignations over. So how can you actually authentically and without any irony, essentially, call on people to give you a second chance? Like, why would anyone ever take well, you seriously but, ever again? But again, people in politics and between members of parliament, there is the cut and thrust of, of parliamentary debate in politics. You wanted Annalise Van Diemen to go over a tweet. So why won't you go yeah. over a drink driving incident where you were more than two times at the legal well, limit? Um, I think what I'm hearing is that you want me to resign from parliament. Um, to the best of my knowledge, I think Ms Van Diemen remained in the public service so let's, uh, if, if people, but if, but well, well I understand that. I'm just, what I'm, I'm, what I'm trying to say is if, if you want me to resign from parliament right now, I'm not going to do that. It, it honestly gave me a bit of life seeing someone squirm so hard, <laughs> basic question. Like, why should you be allowed to stay in when you're such a fucking hypocrite and you think everyone else should resign? Like, yeah, were, yeah. I mean, they didn't they didn't call him a fucking hypocrite, but yeah, they they were pointing they out that he's it. constantly calling for other people's uh, resignation over all kinds of things. I want to point out two things about his apology. First of all, his apology does not mention the fact that he drunk drove and crashed into multiple things. It actually like mm -hmm. is like mm -hmm. I made a mistake, and it refers to the entire thing in a, a very mistake. oblique way, and just does oh. not refer to it what happened. His statement was, I was breath tested and returned a positive reading. Mm. Why were you breath tested, what? mate? Because you fucking... <laughs> what, what's the... Chitty, chitty, bang, banged your car over a fence into a buddy? child's bedroom. And then <laughs> yeah, just like... So, that, that could be either I nearly killed some people or I bloody got one of those straws, you know, those things that they've got the yeah. pub on the wall and I blew into it. Pipe bloody three times the legal limit. <laughs> anyway, yeah. There was nothing random about it. That night, Tim Smith just like... Indicating, pulling over, mm -hmm. stepping out of the car, waving down an officer. I'm sorry, officer. I think I might have actually been driving a little bit drunker than I than I expected. Would you Fuck. mind just breathalyzing me really quick to my? Oh dear, oh dear <laughs> me. Yes, no. I just as I thought. Well, cuff me up, officer. I'm 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 going to come with you. I've clearly done something wrong. Tim Smith belted in upside down in a tree. Is there a problem, officer? <laughs> <laughs> He's waiting for a mate. He was waiting for a mate. <laughs> I made a mistake. This is not my tree. <laughs> The second thing, too, is also, like, in the statement, he mentions that it was after dinner with friends. Um, mm. And then elsewhere, he says that, like, the reason why he was so drunk is because he didn't eat anything. And I remember seeing mm. this really incredulous tweet just very innocently from someone on Twitter who was like, who goes to a dinner and gets really drunk but doesn't eat anything? I'm like, you realize who this is, right? And Lizards. what's happening here? Like, we're not going to say anything defamatory, but I'm just saying. Yeah. <laughs> The it's, the, it's the actions of someone who's not well. <laughs> the dinner is interesting. The, the oh, whole yes. dinner thing. I was going to get to that when Mitch was talking about being shamed on your social group because the reason this probably wouldn't happen to Evie or Mitch is that if 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 we were hanging around at a party and Evie or Mitch were at the level of drunkenness where you blow 0.13, which is like barely standing up, slurring a lot, almost like passing out depending on your capacity and they were like anyway i'm gonna drive home we'd be like fuck no you're not as your <laughs> friend we're not gonna let that happen now tim smith left a dinner party at 9 30 
which he was at the house of Stuart Wood, um, barrister, QC, member of the Order of Australia, appointed <laughs> oh. for Australia Day honours. Didn't know any better. <laughs> significant service to the legal profession. Big shot. I reckon you're right. Nah, you'll be right, mate. These are the political contacts Tim Smith has, and these are the kind of people he's friends with, air quotes, and this is the kind of social circles that operate here, where they're just like, fuck them. Well, that's the thing. Part of me grimly thinks that they were just like, yeah, man, you're right to drive. Go on, get out of here. And like, just fucking fingers crossed it's off that cliff. But I I, I just think it is the old boys club mentality of just yeah. acting with impunity, where they're just like, yeah. doesn't matter. Mm. Nah, he'll be right. What What's the worst that can happen? Oh, he yeah. could kill someone. Oh, yeah, but that won't happen. So what's the worst that could actually happen? Yeah, we paper that over. And also, I'll get you off. I'm a hotshot yeah. QC. One thing that I that I want to point out, just whenever somebody fucks up like this and you see like the oh, federal liberals sort of circle the ranks and be like, no, you, you can't touch our boy, etc., is just the imagine the sort of consequences that he would face if instead of getting blackout drunk and, and going for a hoon around the streets of Q, instead, imagine if he said we need a, a drastic and radical and urgent transition away from fossil fuels into renewables. <laughs> <laughs> I love this point every time you What his it. career in the Liberal Party would look like if he did that instead of a crime. <laughs> I don't think he would have made it home. I think his car would have disappeared yeah. <laughs> at some point and he never would have been seen again. Yeah. I, I, I just want to say to end this segment hmm. that- I hope that this is the last time that we or anyone else really speaks about or thinks of Tim Smith. And I hope that by the time he dies, whenever that is, he's totally fucking forgotten and he holds no legacy. Because I think that's one of the only things that people like him really fucking care about. So I just hope he's just consigned to the bin of history and people (laughs) fucking forget about him. We never think about this again and we just have a really fun, happy life. Just having his memory dissolve in the minds of everyone. Fuck off forever, you disgusting worm, you piece of shit. I hope whatever happens to you is horrible. Hell yeah. Whenever uh, Tim Smith uh, finally gets claimed by the Grim Reaper, whenever that happens to be, we'll make sure to go back and delete this episode Mm. so that he's not written down. Speaking of legacies and uh, <laughs> lots of people dying in the future, it's... Uh, <laughs> oh, I was going to say, oh, McLean, if you The could, COP26 conference. If you could put in the, the ACDC sting before this, and if everyone could think about it, it's like, COP26, 26. What? I've had that stuck in my head for a week. It's fucked. <laughs> it's such a strange... Okay. <laughs> it's just not possible to say COP26 without hitting that rhythm. That's the... <laughs> So, yeah. Um, <laughs> have we started this segment yet or yes. are we still brainstorming segues? I'm just going to say cup 26 and then somebody else is going to say what actually okay. happened. Okay. We've been foreshadowing this conference for weeks in various ways and, you know, things that have been happening in the lead up to it, whether Scott Morrison was going to appear or not. And what we got was a bunch of dicks swinging about submarines. So, that's great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, not even, not even dick swing. Like, it's complicated because COP26 is when all the world leaders get together to kind of talk about what they're supposedly going to do on climate and they all make you know, statements and, and Boris Johnson says, oh, we're going to stop using coal and uh, something, something, the future. And Joe Biden wakes up for a second and talks about <laughs> how they're going to get off, off methane and all the oil countries 
push some numbers around. They all agree eventually that they've come to some kind of a compromise, but they'll iron out something a little bit more solid in another five years time. And then a bunch of koalas die. Um, that's what <laughs> usually happens. Um, but Scott Morrison is so shit at climate and cares so little and also is such a poor diplomat at the international level that he didn't even go that far. He couldn't even pretend to give a shit. And everyone in the world could see that very obviously. Yeah, it's been it's been fucked listening to a bunch of different international podcasts and Australia gets thrown in with Russia, Saudi Arabia and mm. like Kuwait, like and Brazil. And it's like we're we're that bad. Mm. And yeah. like when China and America are mentioned, it's usually because it's like they are the biggest economies, they are the biggest emitters in different ways and it's like they control the levers of power and then there's these like gremlin shit countries yeah. just like no, <laughs> I want to deforest more and it's like <laughs> I, I, I don't think Australians have internalised it properly, I haven't even I still think like you know Australia is this like uh, colonial outpost that is like you know we are a western nation that are held in it like closer to France, Germany, Spain and stuff and we are absolutely not, we have no. in the the last decade become the obstreperous, horrible, shit-kicking countries that are ruining progress for yeah. the world. We're it's, a goblin yeah, country. We're the friggin' Balkan skull of the, the international stage. There, there's something that I want to point out here um, that has sort of been lost in the weeds a bit. Uh, a promise that was made at the last one of these conferences uh, that was pledged by all these um, these countries was that a hundred billion US dollars a year <laughs> was pledged in two thousand and nine by all these countries to developing countries to help them combat climate change by the next G twenty. Do you want to guess how much of that's been delivered um, in the lead up to COP twenty six? Is it a zero? It's a big fat zero. <laughs> bloody love a pledge. They so fucking love a pledge. <laughs> every single developing com- country who was uh, came to this conference as well was like, "Hey, so where's that fucking money, dudes? Like, you made yeah. this pledge, and you know we're we're all suffering the effects of climate change. It's a you know all of th- this was the I think the most distressing part of this conference for me." All these countries, like in like the island states, who are making these speeches, very impassioned about how they're seeing the impacts. They are doing their best themselves to mitigate the effects of climate change, but they're just fucking islands who are affect, you know, mm. suffering the effects from everyone else. And they're supposed to be mm. getting money from us to help, mm. and they've gotten a fat lot of nothing. And this is the yeah. crazy part. And I put this in our group chat when we were discussing this in the lead up to this episode. Um, so $100 billion USD was ple- was supposed to be pledged every single year to help them. The submarine program that nobody could shut the fuck up about was $65 billion USD fl- straight up hmm. and was expected to cost $108 billion USD for maintenance over the life cycle. And as another sort of comparison figure – the U.S. defense budget is $686 billion, $617 oh. billion for the base budget. The U.S. defense budget is, you know, the, the, the most expensive thing in the world. Yeah. The Iraq they, war was a trillion a year, was it? Something like that? Something like that. They go mad with that budget. It's also like the biggest carbon emitter, but <laughs> <laughs> weird to get into that one. Well, they also don't count that as part of no. the U.S. carbon budget. And, of course, like, the reason why I bring up all these billion-dollar figures is to, like, Mm. 
we couldn't even throw some fucking spare change to make sure no islands drown thanks to us burning coal and koala noses. And a hundred billion is nothing. A hundred billion internationally. Yeah, a hundred billion dollars from all the countries pulling in together could not do that. Australia, (laughs) Australia itself has a hundred and six billion over a lifetime for some fucking subs we're not getting. And yeah, but, but money's made up anyway. Like we could get into how <laughs> debt has crippled developing nations for decades because we just go, oh, you owe us money, but uh, like you need to take in all this shit that we're doing so you can pay us back for money we've said that you owe us. Like mm. the whole thing's made up. We're gonna we've pledged to give you money because we couldn't give you money because you owed us money because of these books, these numbers that we moved around. Beep, 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 beep. We look at the numbers. Yeah. We've, I made this the, the, the big number. There was a That's b- bullshit. A good tweet about that that was going around a little while back. Or maybe a TikTok. I can't remember. There was there was a good little bit of social media nugget going around a little <laughs> bit. That was somebody being like, apparently global debt is like you know X point Y trillion dollars. And uh, just wondering, who do we owe that to? Yeah. Fucking Mars. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's just a number we made up so that we can't solve climate change. It's all just like us handing our money around in between each other mm-hmm. while you know fucking a comet's headed to Earth. Like. There's no amount of money. Yeah, money's made up. It's yeah. fake. It's like it's basically like two friends sending each other twenty dollars um, whenever they go to the pub, and it's just like this isn't a real exchange. We just may as well like why are we even bothering to like exchange twenty dollars <laughs> back and forth in our bank accounts. We can just yeah. buy each other pints. It's fine. Mm. Comedians buying tickets to each other's shows at the festival to support yeah. each other. <laughs> Here's the thing: if two people give each other twenty dollars, that's a forty dollar increase in GDP. <laughs> I hate you for that. (laughs) It's right and I hate it. Um, but to bring it back to Australia specifically, as we do on the pod, um, if they, t- they took, <laughs> like a small dog, they took Angus Taylor over as well. Mm. Um, and because he's the, he's the minister <laughs> he's the for very long titles of that bullshit that he's ab- actually not Emissions doing. reduction. Fuck which off. Which is what COP is about. <laughs> Shut up. I'm the minister for emissions reduction. It's just like, I'm the minister for protection against wedgies. Like, stop getting so hyper-specific about the things you're not stopping. We know how cam- bad Canberra is for wedges and we know how bad the Liberal government is <laughs> on reducing emissions. It's bullshit. But they went over there together like like high school chums and they had a booth set up and I just this isn't made up. This sounds like something on the no it's like a Simpsons gag. I'm pretty sure the Simpsons do have a gag that is very much they like did this. this gag, yeah, they did this gag 20 years ago. They went over there. Angus Taylor, the Minister for Emission Reduction, and Scott Morrison, our Prime Minister, and their big booth set up was Carbon Capture and Storage, sponsored by Santos. Mm. Santos branded booths at the COP mm. 26. I just like. Yeah. I'm not. They, I was obviously why furious. Why is it sponsored by anyone? <laughs> I was furious at Tim Smith, but this has just sort of let me like hollow and bewildered. I can't make heads or tail of this. This is just hyper normalization. It's insane. Uh, Just to kind of give uh, listeners a bit of a view behind the scenes, we do talk a lot about, and I mean, we've talked about on the show, so it's not even really a view behind the scenes. Uh, We talk a lot about how like burnt out we are just sometimes by reading this stuff. And it's hard not to feel just very hollow and grim whenever you see the kind of, you know, first the wastage of money or the non-spending of money, you know, in any meaningful way. And then you see a display by Santos at a conference that is a set, like you know you're supposed to be talking about stopping climate change. It just yeah, it it's some it set off something in my brain where I was like I can't read any more about this. I otherwise I think I might die. <laughs> <laughs> 
Mm. Brutal. <laughs> um, and yeah, you've probably all seen the pictures. It's pretty straightforward. Santos is just a fossil fuel company and they did just sponsor uh, the Australian government in general and the Australian government. Yeah, at, it's at not just Cop- their attendance at COP26. <laughs> <laughs> um, and and the shocking thing to me is that this, this did not surprise me in the slightest. I saw that and I went, oh, yeah. Um, they got the span- they got the Santos. They didn't go with with one of the other ones. Good on. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, I, I guess Woodside didn't win that bid. <laughs> yeah. It's like if you were at, at a you know a cancer um, conference and you were sponsored by Philip Morris Tobacco or something. Which they did. Like they did do that- a lot of that. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. Philip There's- Morris Tobacco also need to be launched into the sun. Um, yeah. And, and <laughs> no, <that's> into space. <laughs> no, why not the sun? You'd burn it. It'd be very bad for us. <laughs> yeah, all, <laughs> we've given Mercury cancer. Shit. <laughs> oh no. And so obviously this didn't influence uh, Australian politics at all because you know we can accept money for things without changing. Although strangely, um, Angus Taylor. When asked about the global methane pledge, which is a whole lot of countries saying we're going to stop destroying the environment with methane, a greenhouse gas said, Australia's focus is whole of economy, all gases. We're not setting sector specific targets and we're not setting gas specific targets. Um, What he didn't say is we're also not setting any targets or uh, any sectors and we don't have any plans at all. So he's technically correct. (laughs) (laughs) Fucking. Yeah. It was. I just I, I, the whole time I was watching this, I just kept thinking of all the people that were like bullying, quote unquote, bullying Scott Morrison to go to cop. When we have been saying for the last like three weeks at least, like we don't want him there. He's gonna yeah. fuck it up. He's gonna be horrible. And we we had talked about this before, but him going over there with a Santos sponsored booth is him wrecking other negotiations. Mm-hmm. That is Australia going full forward and signaling to investors, fossil fuel companies, and the countries that are supported by them and support them in turn, going, oh, fuck, we can get support from Australia by doing this. On the international stage, they have shown their bare, full ass and mm. gone, yep, we're all in for fossil fuel. They and that undermines COP. That isn't just stupid. That is a diplomatic move that undermines the entire fucking process. And the process is supposed to save us from the fucking apocalypse. I wonder how much that's real, though. Because, like, I mean, on, uh, sort of one way of looking at it, they've shown up at COP and been like, attention, we are accepting all bids from fossil fuel people. We actually love climate change. We're very pro. And it's like, yeah, that, that sort of embarrassed ourselves on the international stage. We've shown our whole ass. But sort of from another angle, Australian government has gone to COP and the thing that they've shown is the sort of like hilt of a dagger that they've got concealed, just being like, oh, by the way, guys, I know we're all here. Just wanted to be 100% clear that we are the enemy in this situation and uh, we are the ones that you'll need to fight. Because I think that sort of the amount of, you know, diplomatic spats and stuff that ScoMo sort of instigated at, at, at COP, like we made, he made a, a, a lot of enemies. Um I, I, I think that's relevant. I think that he's gone there and he's been like, by the way, you know, broadcast signal to anyone in any level of power who's actually interested in addressing the climate crisis. Mm. Heads up, we're the people that you have to fight mm. against, not the people that you have to work with. And I think that there's a lot of people who are attending COP who went away being like, right, so one of the problems that we have to solve is Australia. Yeah. I mean, same same diff. It's a it's a positive signal to the wreckers, and it is a negative signal to the people who don't want us to die in an 
Apo- well, I mean, you say that, but the fucking the weak targets that we've gotten out of COP mm. so far, it's just like, I'm pretty sure they're all committed. It's just a slow burn versus a fast roast. But like, fast roast. I think also we shouldn't, I think we shouldn't be too generous to everybody else at COP um, because a lot of the other leaders, they also don't really give a shit. They're just better at pretending that they give a shit. Well, I think that's the thing, though, is there's, like, you've got your world leaders, which is, like, 20-something, 26, apparently. I think there's a few extras there as well who are the attendees at COP. But there's also, like, thousands of people attending this conference. And yeah. I think that thousands of those people are earnestly interested in climate change, in in, oh, you know, sure. in, in addressing climate change. You've yeah. got that sort of thing of, like, the high-level policy people is care. fucked. But I think, like, most of the people who are actually working, even in just public service, yeah. are really trying their hardest. It's just the actual people who are pushing legislation and doing the deals with the fossil fuel executives and stuff mm. that are fucked. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so it's basically saying, don't even bother with Australia. We don't give the slightest shit. Don't let, don't, don't be tricked by us. And I think that is yeah. a good lesson. Another thing that really embarrassed Australia um, on the national stage in Glasgow uh, was a billboard uh, about five yeah. miles out from the <laughs> conference centre. Um, <laughs> suburban street so there was also that too let's not push the (laughs) (laughs) we interrupt this discussion international policy for podcast beef (laughs) (laughs) come on so all the world leaders got to got to kind of grandstand and make their little speeches and and there's a great video of scott morrison doing a speech to an almost entirely empty room because nobody gives a shit what this guy has to say. That was a funny little bit of like his his the clip of just his speech in the normal camera framing came out and there was a, a few people being like, why is the audio weird? He's like really echoey. And then the subsequent video came out and it's just a completely empty room. He's like, okay, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's no bodies to absorb the sound and mix it. We're all from live performance. You know that you you if you don't have anybody in it fucks up the acoustics. Nascomo knows too. <laughs> and the Absolute gaslighting of this thing he says. And again, don't listen to a fucking thing he says ever. And I almost feel like I shouldn't read this out. But he, he says like, <laughs> oh, he compares it to, to when COVID came along. It's a once in a hundred year pandemic, but we cracked on and we built those vaccines and then we fucked out the rollout and we didn't get it to old people. And a lot of people died <laughs> and eventually we got it to get. <laughs> he didn't say he that said. bit, but he did say, <laughs> oh, billions vaccinated. The world is reclaiming what COVID has taken from us. Climate change will be met in the same way. And everyone went, yeah, we know you're going <laughs> to fuck it up, delay, try and save money. And lots of people will die until you're forced to do the right thing by smaller areas of government. That's yeah. not a comfort. We all remember when the coronavirus pandemic hit and we were like, oh, thank God, we invented a vaccine for that in the 50s. <laughs> the thing is, like, Lang, you mentioned, like, gaslighting. This yeah. is, to me, the first sign of how history will treat the pandemic even like we talk like on a global scale and also in Australia, we're just going to memory hole how hard it was for oh, so many yeah. groups. We're just going to say yeah. like you know, give it, it. It won't even happen like now, but maybe within the next few years. We got that vaccine. Everything was fine. We got the vaccine. Everything was fine. We solved it in two years. And a lot of the historical individual pain is going to be memory hold and. Mm. It depends. You know, it's the whole thing of history is written by the winners. And in this case, Morrison is going to be the winner because he's going to win the next federal election. And you can definitely say we Oof. met climate change in the same way as we did COVID. And yeah. people are just going to say, mm. cool. 
and that will be like it. every other bit of history where when you actually go and look at the facts you go oh i had the entire wrong idea about that because it's <laughs> history is entirely pushed in like this emotive way by the people who write the history which is media culture teachers politicians um and it's like there will be people who will come out of this pandemic being like oh but nobody died in australia or there'll be people coming out of the pandemic saying everybody died in australia um just entirely based on what they read and how they felt Mm. Um, the other thing that Scott Morrison said, which, which makes me want to throttle him is where he says the challenge of combating climate change will be met in the same way. Um, it will be our scientists, technologists, engineers, entrepreneurs, financiers, industrialists that will chart this path to net zero. And it is up to us as leaders to back them in. And it's like, oh, our, our scientists are going to chart the path. Um, yep. Does that mean that you're going to reverse your massive cuts to research and development or that you're going to listen to scientists or that you're going to actually employ any um, at any point and (laughs) no? No, no you, I think you, maybe we accidentally cut that quote off a little early because maybe he said, and it is up to us as leaders to back them into a corner. Yeah. You know? <laughs> back them <laughs> into Just a destroy quarry. all of their funding and, 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 and kick them off so that they're forced to fucking pick grapes for $3 an hour. That's what our scientists are doing most of the time nowadays. So, to bring up the thing that uh, shall not be spoken of, but the plan. We've all heard of this plan that Scott Morrison's got, the Liberal Party plan. It's not a plan. He has no plan to get to net zero by 2050. Uh, net zero by 2050 is also not a plan that's consigning us to death. But regardless, Scott Morrison released that thing a little while ago which was just giving cover to his party to do horrible shit with fossil fuels and the media decided to call it a plan and act credulously on it. Well done, The Guardian. But one of the things in that document that they released is like the last 15% of emissions are just supposed to be driven by technology. I was like, what? I was like, yes, what we have factored into this plan is that the last 15% of Australian emissions that need to be reduced will be reduced by technology. It's it's literally the government's literal actual plan. And and this is not what I mean. Like, I don't mean the plan that they've released. I mean, reading between the lines, the way that everybody in government that actually believes climate change is happening plans to address climate change is... Let's invent something that fixes it all without us having to change anything. Yeah. Like, why would we stop burning fossil fuels when we can just invent something that fixes climate change while we keep burning fossil fuels? We should invent one of them and use that instead of using all of the technology that we actually have. Because they always say, oh, let's use technology, but not any of the technologies that we have invented. I I mentioned it just before. Mm -hmm. Solar panels were invented in the 50s. The entire team that invented solar panels is dead from old age. They are not (laughs) new solar panels and not an innovation. They they predate phones. It needs to... (laughs) Mobile phones. (laughs) It needs to be stressed. Literally, that is what they are going to do. You're, mm. like, it's, uh, like, I, I don't want anyone listening to this to come away with, like, that was a funny joke, McLean, literally. Yeah, like, metaphorically. Yeah. No. <laughs> literally. Someone will invent something at some point. Is our entire national plan <laughs> to stop emitting fossil fuels. And the person who invents it will not be a scientist on a team that we have appointed and funded <laughs> to invent it. It will be a dude in his garage who's doing it as a hobby because if you look at the way that they've allocated funding for, for R&D... <laughs> it's garages. It's one. Ga- it buys one garage. He'd better invent something that's self-replicating and free, because they are fucking not funding oh, it, anything. It will be. Yeah, the, that's the thing. 
that, that's part of their invention is like, oh yeah, it'll fix it all. That's that, that's what they genuinely believe carbon capture and storage does is just sucks all the carbon out of the atmosphere, fixes the whole fucking shit. Hooray. Don't need to worry about it. Yeah, even in the sense of like we haven't invented the thing that will magically solve this problem for us. Even the sort of str- the strategy they have for the, the the measures that they have now is just it's there's nothing there. Like there's nothing you can conceivably use. It's absolutely like, Skoma, good lord, Australia's on fire. Uh, no, that's, that's just the plan. Oh, plan, can I see it? No. <laughs> in this scenario where Scott Morrison is embarrassing himself on the international stage, I wonder what the opposition is doing about it. <laughs> what, what, say the line, Evie. <laughs> what, what, is, what, is, what is Labor doing about it? Uh, I'd be very interested to know because, like, you know, uh, the, the, the worst thing about this entire thing is that there was a lot of dick swinging about submarines that was distracting from the climate change conference. So, what did Labor have to say? Well, because Scomo is wide open. It, it, yeah. this Surely is- they have a stance on the thing that will destroy human society that the current government isn't doing anything at all to address. <laughs> there, there is a slam dunk opportunity here. Um, I want to refer to a tweet that Christine Keneally made, a uh, regular on the show. Christine Kirscher Keneally, sorry. I've, I've <laughs> Christine Kirscher Keneally. <laughs> Christina. So, guys. Oh, sorry. To- <laughs> 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 Fucking hell. This tote bag, this tote bag won't carry as much as a submarine, but we promise it won't send you a text message late at night cancelling your purchase Morrison style. I don't think I know Macron tote bag, the, the, the BS report. And it what links. The f- <laughs> And then it links to a shop which has this tote bag, which has got Macron's quote on it um, with a big submarine on it. Macron's quote, of course, there is, do you think he lied to you regarding Scott Morrison lying to him? And he said, I don't think, I know. Yeah. (laughs) Got him. Okay, the tote bag in isolation is pretty bad. It is something something that... um, Ben McClay from Boonta Vista, he tweeted about and he's like, imagine just going anywhere with this tote bag a <laughs> week from now and trying to explain that to someone. <laughs> actually, it's kind of a good bit, actually. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that would be pretty funny. I'd be happy about that. Even funnier than this, though. Like, this is an entire shop called yeah, the, wow, BS, the BS Report. And it is authorised by the Labor Party and it is just full of this stuff. Like, just weird little pithy quotes in a font adjacent to Comic Sans. Um, and this is this is their strategy. Oh, this yeah, is got their all opposition the strategy. Oh. Yeah. I don't hold a hose, mate. That fella down under. There's a re- mug. There's a mug that has, it's not a race, it's not a competition, Scott Morrison. I don't even remember when he said what? that. Like, I don't remember 90% of the things that are quoted on the on the tote bags or the the mugs in this Imagine store. Imagine being a political party and all of your messaging is, hey, Scott Morrison, remember Scott Morrison? Look at <laughs> Scott Morrison. What about that Scott Morrison? Yeah. They don't have a single quote. They do not have a single forward-facing thing that's like, hell yeah, Labor Party, because they haven't yeah. been able to generate a single fucking message in a decade with any cut through you are fucking wet paper towels of a political party what is your point what literally, do you do literally give us an alternative one of the tote bags says where the bloody hell are the vaccines Fuck! Like, 
in it's arms. Mouth. We've done really well since then. What, don't You don't need to keep selling that one. That's also on a mask. I'm imagining walking down the street and seeing someone with a mask on that says, it is a race, and then a, a picture of a needle. I'd be like, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to cross the road. Also, very few of these are about climate change. They've got, I don't hold a hose mate with some fire emojis under it. Yeah, which is like years old. I suppose obliquely referencing the bushfires there. And then they've got, quote, end the weekend with a little icon of an electric car. Mm. No actual, like, if you're going to do it, put, you know, it's just coal. Don't be afraid of it. You've got. Mm, biggest- that might be anti-coal, though, McConnell. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, they they <laughs> put off their, their donors who, by the way, I guess the main way that federal labour receives a lot of its funding is by fossil fuel companies mm-hmm. buying up huge pallets of tote bags so that they can get around <laughs> donations. <laughs> There, there's a mug here called that has the the caption Mr Morrison where's the ABC with a little I think it's a cartoon or like a caricature with Scott Morrison in front of a blackboard and of course the letters A B and C are like oh, slightly he's rubbed, rubbed out. out the A B and C yeah the rest of the alphabet's oh. there but where's the A B C that's referring to something he's sort of done secretly in the background without any quote this, attached to it this is so offensive just as like a just as a meme shit poster sort of point of view, I'm like, come on. <laughs> yeah, these are garbage. E- Evie, I've got some good news for you, though, on that on that mug. It is an original cartoon by Stephen Jones, MP. <laughs> so- oh, amazing. That's so, that's so good. Oh, look, I, I, I've got to actually backtrack a little bit then. It's not bad. <laughs> the cartoon itself. Like, yeah, good on you, Stephen Jones, MP. Fucking push some climate action, you prick. But, you know, nice cartoon. This entire, like... The premise of this shop is already bad because it doesn't. It does. It's all, like, like you said, it's all <laughs> so on the opposition. Um, there's no actual thing of what could be good. It's all mm. Mr. Morrison is bad owned. Um, it's like even the the premise of the shop itself, the BS report. What the fuck is that? What mm. is that? Can someone explain? Oh, to you? I mean, it's <laughs> just a little Labor Party fundraiser that targets their existing base of just sort of credulous boomers, right? So. It's ideal. Yeah, exactly. They're, they're not. This is not going to convert hearts and minds. <laughs> it, it, when you're doing propaganda, which is all political communication, that's fine. You can refer <laughs> it to it as that. This is prop. This podcast is propaganda. That's okay. Um, I feel like at least some of it is playing to the hearts and minds, and we do have a you know regular rotation of listeners who are little hogs who love to listen to us mm. every week. But <laughs> I do like my hope is that you can talk to people and be able to share things so that you can convert hearts and minds. You can talk to someone who's mm. on the fence. I'm sorry, if you look at this entire thing and even just the premise of the BS report, which it turns out is the name for their sort of – Part of their election strategy going into the next federal election, which is to highlight Scott Morrison's lies by the BS report. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, like, first so of all, big. don't, don't, like, number one marketing strategy, if you're going to use the allusion to a swear word, don't fucking do it. If you, if you want to swear, swear. Otherwise, hey, don't Labor put Party, BS. You, you're all adults. You can just swear. Yeah. Just have you, a swear. Uh, just, just have a, just have a controlled, Tepid swear yeah. like Shorten does once a year. You know it's when you allow Shorten to come out of the cave? <laughs> <laughs> it's such a Gen X thing too. Uh, uh, here's my moment in the sun to shit on Gen X people. Um, <laughs> they really love doing the thing where they love saying that they love, like, you know, they're sweary. And then they'll say frick or they'll put an asterisk. <laughs> 
uh, it's like when you release books that have like an asterisk in the title, like uh, stop the fuck, blah, blah, blah. But it's got an asterisk that's uh, like blurring out the U. I got to say stop the fuck, blah, blah, blah is one of my favorite <laughs> books. <laughs> I, I can't remember. There was like some book that was like that. I was going to say, I didn't realize it was stop the fuck. I thought it was like stip the fuck or something else because it had the yeah. asterisk there. I couldn't. Yeah, so anyway, (laughs) going back to my original point, which is that the name of this campaign already fails at the first hurdle because if you're not going to be bold enough to be like, say a cuss word – what it's not a bold campaign. It's not like you're not highlighting uh, being like you know edgy or anything like that. You you've cut the edge off. You've made it a very blunt knife to begin with. Yeah, I don't know. I think there's a sort of boomer standpoint that is like, oh, oh that's a bit cheeky. Yeah, that's the <laughs> labour audience. And I, and I think even if you were to say, okay, this is just one little funny little sector to get them some money, but they've obviously got actual political statements going out there that are probably pulling Scott Morrison up on all the terrible things he's doing, bloody sticking it to him and providing a decent alternative. So let's just see if I can find those. Well, no. (laughs) (laughs) But there's nothing. There's nothing. Like, Labor can't pull Scott Morrison up on climate. It can't pull him up on any of the things that he's not saying at COP. And good fucking luck finding a Labor member who's going, wow, Scott Morrison... Is is going to cop entirely to push fossil fuels. He doesn't care if we burn. They are not saying that. The closest they can say, and they love the term net zero. They're using that as a euphemism for everyone dying in climate change. They say like Scott Morrison doesn't believe in net zero. He doesn't have a plan to get to net zero. Scott Morrison, you know, can't can't make an agreement with the Nationals on net zero. When what they should be saying is. Scott Morrison doesn't believe in climate change, and he's going to kill us all, and we're a joke on the world stage. Uh, for that reason. Because Labor is the government of the three biggest fossil fuel producing states in Australia, is responsible for large chunks of our fossil fuels, is sponsored, like you said before, by fossil fuels, and won't say a bad word about fossil fuels or imply that they're a problem. The closest they can get is like Chris Bowen talking about the nationals. Chris Bowen saying... Farmers want to work with the government to reduce emissions. It's a great opportunity for them. Farm profits are down. Farm productivity is down due to climate change. And they want to work with a government that cares about climate change to get concrete results. Yeah, because that's what I'm worried about in climate change, is farm profits and productivity. What do farms produce again? Is it the food we need to live? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And it's it's traditionally super profitable. And those profits are down. What the fuck? I thought farms just produced economy and jobs. <laughs> this other quote from Chris Bowen is fucking making my head just spin around at a, at a real fast velocity. This is from the, the New Daily. Um, they've, they've covered this. Albanese's climate spokesman, Chris Bowen, puts it bluntly. He says, Morrison doesn't have any policy that attracts bipartisan support. <laughs> Except for fossil fuels. Yeah, if they do. You consistently support their fucking policies, yeah. that is bipartisan support, Chris Bowen. Oppose anything. The Labor Party think that, like, bipartisan support is when they don't go, oh, we're angry about it, but we will vote for it. No, it's yeah. the partisan bits, the voting, you weak cunts. Like, Hate clicks are still clicks. <laughs> yeah, they just vote for their insane. climate policy and then they tweet out a frowning emoji. And like, we didn't support it. We tweeted the frowning emoji. You voted for it, you fucks. We're putting this on a mug. So the the other the other thing with like you know the the focus on France and oh we lied to you and the Labour Party can really hit that super hard. It's because again they want to 
distract from the fact that they have fucking nothing to offer voters mm. whatsoever to the point where they are recycling nothing at this mm. point. Following on from that New Daily quote, the, the, the rest of the, the article reads, he explains Labor's failure on not announcing its own 2030 target by now in terms of giving the government the room to arrive at mm. policy Labor could embrace. He says it's still mm. worth giving them time at the United Nations Climate Change Conference. They, ha- <sighs> What do you mean give them room? You are the opposition. If you've learnt nothing from Kevin Rudd and Julia Gillard, the only thing that the Labor Party could take away from that is that, oh shit, a strong opposition gets people into power. Tony Abbott, all he did was oppose stuff and then he got in and he was like, oh fuck, I don't know what to do here. I just said axe the tax a lot and it worked. Look, like... Mitch, I think That's you're being it. a bit unfair here. I think you're being a bit unfair. I oh, think no, the Labor Party. Okay, My, I'm uh, sorry. I, I, I'm I sorry, think guys. I think that Al- that Albanese and like you know Chris P- Bowen and the Labor Party as a whole have realised that the Liberal Party are just small beans who need some space, and <laughs> and, and they they know that like they don't want to like sort of emotionally overload them with like trying to be in opposition. So they just they're giving them the room, you know, just to like sort of overcome their feelings and feel the, feel their feelings, and then they'll they'll send them the text that says like you know have you got the emotional capacity to deal with this at this time, <laughs> and then that's when they're going to talk about it. <laughs> They gave them so much room at the climate change conference that that the liberals went, oh, I've got a lot of room here. Uh, hey, Santos, do you want to put a booth in this room? <laughs> That's the thing. You, you, you might remember that type of idea of giving the government room to manoeuvre, to come up with a good policy. Anthony Albanese did that with JobSeeker when they were saying we should raise JobSeeker to a livable level and the fucking Labor Party went, oh, we want to give the government space to lock in a long-term increase on their own. And they did that because they want the government to actually move on this. Because as we know from any time ever in human recorded history is that when you allow an evil, horrible government to do what they want, they come around to do the right thing. Yeah, absolutely. It's fucking wishful thinking. Also the thing of like, imagine if you get your way and they do come around to it and they do pass that legislation, you can't claim anything now. Oh, we want to give them a bunch of room so that when they do the thing that we do hope they do, nobody can say we had anything to do with it. Great strategy, Labor. Real good. They're hoping they'll oppose themselves. They're standing there wide open. They're like, hopefully Scott Morrison kicks the ball this way. We're going <laughs> to give him the room to, to pass to one of our team. What does the room mean? Like, you, you, you don't give them room. You close off the room that you don't want to do them to move into. But then when they're going to the place that you do want them to move, you say yes. Like, that, it's just basic negotiation. Yeah, look. It means the Labor Party ministers are paid amazingly well, two or three hundred thousand dollars a year to do absolutely nothing. Yeah, and they get even more when the fossil fuel companies donate to them, don't they? So, yeah. This comes back to that idea that they don't have any policy that attracts bipartisan support. They absolutely do, and that's why the Labor Party are giving them room to do it. The Labor Party are in bed with fossil fuel. The Labor Party have a vested interest in making sure that the uh, welfare wage stays low. They are in bed with the Liberal Party in all of the relevant fucking ways, but they just have this way out of it. Well, they think they have a way out of it. They just have this phrase that they just go, oh, you know, we want we're gonna give them room. Is that work? Mm. Is that is that working? And the fucking media in this country go, oh, okay, that's fair. Like the credulous rubes at the fucking press corps and the fucking journalists in this country just prattling on. Oh, Scott Morrison was accused of being a liar. Scott Morrison landed net 
zero by 2050. Scott Morrison on the world stage is doing some good, but also some stuff that needs a bit of a finger wag. It's like the entire, we don't have time to get into it now, but the entire week has just been the most depressing shit to come from both the Labour Party and the media because Scott Morrison is right there being a fucking idiot about this whole thing. And everyone's just gone, yes, but but Morrison asked us to, to, to treat him at his own level. And so we kind of have to agree to do that. We can't be mean. We can't be forthright. We can't actually describe what's going on because Morrison has said reality is one way. So to be fair to him, we have to kind of consider reality in that way. And you don't. Do your fucking jobs. You do not have to be fair to Scott Morrison. You don't owe him anything. Ever. He's a fucking parasite. Mm. You got you got a bloody mosquitoes drinking all your blood, and you're like, oh, you got to give them some blood, though. They're mosquitoes. <laughs> I mean, look, uh, mosquitoes do serve a valuable role in the ecosystem. That's the they thing. Don't. Birds eat. Um. <laughs> <laughs> nah. Don't need mo- don't need mosquitoes. I just want to close out this segment with um, just something just to highlight the f- just the the sheer folly of all this dick swinging. Um, mm. Just today. Um, there was a recorded statement from a minister in Tuvalu. Um, Simon Koff was the name of the minister. Uh, he recorded a video statement for COP26. We'll put a link in the show notes, but he, he's him giving a statement in the water with the podium half sunk. I think mm, that yeah. is a very good statement in terms of like... It's a very it's compelling very image. very powerful. And yeah, mm. Tuvalu is one of the island nations that is most at risk from climate change. It's almost going to completely disappear within the next mm. decade. Um, yeah, it's it says a lot that every one of these countries is just screaming out for help. Um, there, there's also yeah. something today... Um, hang on, let me just quickly get the link. Sorry, I'm going to quickly... Yeah, there was another article today about Madagascar talking about how um, they're paying the price for cheap European flights. Their droughts and climate-induced famine in the country are a result of the behaviour of rich nations. They're the ones who are going to suffer all the effects of our folly. And meanwhile, this is the the main narrative is talking about Scott Morrison and how he just simply can't even commit to something specific all he wants to talk about is like his hurt feelings and in, in, in diplomatic, I, in diplomatic nations. I mean, so like it's Scott just Scott Morrison has committed to something specific, and that is the death of society at the hands of climate change. Yes, that's it. Like it, that, that's yeah. really it. Ignoring the, the 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 central notion of why this conference was necessary means that he is committed to something, and that is this. Yeah, let's not Catherine Murphy this and pretend that he's somebody who's just bad at stopping climate change. Mm. He's someone who's good at advancing climate change. Yeah. yeah. He went there. I mean, Angus Taylor said they were going there to push gas and to yeah. make gas deals, and good on him. They have he accomplished admitted. what they wanted. Oh my God, he admitted. No, he didn't. Just to draw the need, just to thread the needle. This is exactly what I was talking about earlier with Tim Smith. Like it may, it's it's very useful for Labor to talk about how inept Scott Morrison is and how, like you know, he's mm. a bit of a bungler on the stage. He's a no bungler, but mm. he's useful at doing the things which is necessary to his interests and mm, the government's yeah. interests, which is promoting fossil fuels and completely ignoring yeah. any real strategy on fixing climate change. That's it. He did the job. Not in that Justin Warren quote, the purpose yeah. of a system is what it does. Yes. <laughs> Thanks again for listening to another episode of Not Good Enough. You can get in touch with us on all the socials at 
notgoodpod. You can also send us an email, notgoodpod at protonmail.com. And if you want to send us like a voice memo, just know that you can, you can scream into something that's not the void. We will take all of your recorded yelling and screaming. It's very cathartic. Highly recommend it. Um, so send us those as well. Maybe if enough of you send them in, we'll put a little montage of it together <laughs> to start an episode of just futile screaming. We get enough of them. We'll auto tune it into the Australian anthem. <laughs> but also, as always, just um, share us with your friends. It's always fantastic when you do. So we really love it. We really appreciate it, and it definitely helps us. So mm. do that. We love you. Bye. Bye. Not Good Enough was recorded on the lands of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation. We pay our respect to their elders and sovereignty was never ceded.